0: Hi guys, I'm Maureen. And I'm Maddie. And we're here recording
1: Lost in the Woods. Yes, so exciting news everybody. Some of you may have seen, some of you may have not seen. Obviously like nine of you did. Ten. Ten? Yeah. Ten mm-hmm. of you did. Because we launched our Patreon. Yep, it's official. The link to it is in our bio. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> on Instagram, which would probably be,
0: it's on Facebook as well. I haven't figured out how to put the link on Facebook yet. But it's definitely on Instagram, and then you can also search for it on the Patreon site as well. All great ways. Which I've heard is kind of difficult when you have to search for it rather than using the link. But we're going to try to get the link on Facebook for you guys, too. Yes. Yes, yeah. yeah, so thanks Exciting for stuff. supporting us. You guys are amazing. We're so excited. There's lots of perks that
1: come along with Yeah, and we'll
0: we'll talk about that a little more at the end. We want to get into the episode right now because this is going to be our Halloween episode. We need spooky music here. We don't have spooky music. I don't have have any spooky music. (laughs) So today we're going to post this one, which will be our Halloween episode. It's a week early, but we're not going to be posting one or an episode the following week. This is our Halloween episode. You're kidding. (laughs) What is happening? Maddie's trying to play special effects on her phone right now. (laughs) It's not working.
1: I literally don't understand what's happening. I don't know either.
0: Oh, there's an ad.
1: You're kidding. Why does the whole world have ads on
0: it? I don't know. It's a good question. And the reason we didn't post our episode this week is because Maddie spent 20 million years trying to figure out sound effects and we never actually recorded it. <laughs> so this is our <laughs> Halloween
1: episode. That's the spooky music? You're
0: kidding. Fail, Madison. Fail. Fail.
1: This is spookier, I get This is stupid.
0: I'm done. <laughs> okay. But yeah, we will have, we have a little mini scary story episode that we're going to do on our Patreon, but this will be our Halloween episode, technically. We decided today that we are going to tell you the absolutely horrible story of multiple murders that have occurred on Halloween. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So of course, we're going to be going in chronological order. Like always. Hopefully, you guys are doing something fun, something spooky for Halloween. Going to the pumpkin patch, maybe? We're going today. Yes. Pick out some pumpkins. I also decorated the windows in our house with those sticky things. Oh, God, you guys. It's like the red, bloody handprint, like, dripping down the window. I'm like,
1: what is this? Me and the five-year-old thought it was funny.
0: So we've never decorated for Halloween, and Maddie's trying to change that tradition, and she's trying to...
1: I'm she's, it slowly.
0: Yeah, she's she's bringing the five-year-old in on it, though.
1: Yeah, so then it can't be So we be can't like, say no. So when <laughs> they see us decorating in the window, they can't be like, no, you can't do that because the five-year-old's
0: like, Maddie, let's put it here. Let's do this. Let's, come No, on. but they're literally, like, sneaking around and giggling. Like, it's like a secret. Like, we don't see them doing it. Cause... Well,
1: that's more of the fun for her. <laughs> it's more fun for her because she knows you guys <laughs> don't like it. So it's like, okay, we have to sneak
0: around the parents <laughs> and do this. Thanks. So our house is a little Halloween-y right now.
1: Like, the smallest amount of decorative for Halloween that you physically can be. It's a that's... lot
0: for me. It's a lot. But it's not. I did also <laughs>
1: put festive candles in my room, and my mom said that they're contaminating the rest of the house.
0: They are! I can smell them from, like, anywhere in the house. The other day, Phoenix was like, why does it smell like something sweet in here? And I'm like, Maddie's room. She's like, oh, that makes sense. I <laughs> like
1: okay i got some cheap candles that i've already almost burned through
0: in like a week because you just leave them burning for like hours yes because i fall asleep with them on a little bit maybe good so when our house burns down you guys can make sure that at our funeral it is said that maddie killed us all in our sleep because she wanted good smelling halloween candles fall candles whatever I want it said at my funeral that Maddie killed me. <laughs> the candles, in my defense, are in very safe places. Nothing in your room is safe. Your room is a... F- no, that nothing's safe in okay, there.
1: Okay, well, we're ending this conversation, and we're going to move on to the cases, because I don't feel like getting lectured, because that's what this is going <laughs> to turn into. Because she can turn anything into a lecture about how messy
0: my fucking room is. Or your car. And I'm tired of it. We're moving on to the episode. On October 31, no, 1957. 31st. Shh. Quiet. So on October 31, 1957, Peter and Betty Fabiano went to bed thinking they were done with trick-or-treaters. But in the middle of the night, the doorbell rang. Peter got out of bed and brought candy to the door. It was a woman wearing a mask. She raised her hand, which was inside a paper bag, and shot him in the chest. Because inside that paper bag, she had a gun. Why not just hold the gun. I don't know. Well, I mean, do you walk around with a gun? I mean, it's probably less conspicuous if you're walking around with a brown paper bag. I don't know. I think that looks more suspicious myself, but what if he looks through the peephole? I mean, I think she was like holding it like it was like a bag to collect candy in, but it really wasn't. He died instantly. Police would learn that a woman named Joan Rebel, who was 40, she was a part-time writer and Peter had hired her to work part-time At his hair salon in Los Angeles, she had a close relationship with Peter's wife, and the couple became fast friends. The friendship started to fall apart when Betty and Peter started having marital problems, though, and Betty even moved in with Joan for a short time during this period. So, Betty and Peter decided that they were going to work on their relationship with the condition that Betty would no longer see Joan. Getting the feeling that this is more than a friendship? I'm kind of thinking the same thing. Yes. Betty moved back in with Peter. Joan quickly became fixated on removing Peter from the equation. She was actually able to talk another woman named Golden Pizer. Why does everyone have weird last names? These, why are these names so hard today? Into murdering Peter. So Golden was a divorced woman who had been known to date women, which was a bit taboo for the time. Remember, we are in 1957. She started a relationship with Joan, and Joan was able to convince her that Peter was evil and even said that he was abusing Betty and the children. Golden had never met either of them, but hated the idea of someone who was stuck in a relationship like that. Joan gave her the money to purchase the gun and the bullets that would later be traced back to her. She also convinced her to pull the trigger that night. So afterwards, Joan told Golden, forget you ever knew me, and promptly dumped her. Golden was left with the guilt, the grief of being dumped, and the gun. She put the gun in a department store lockbox. Joan had thought that she got away with the perfect crime, so investigators didn't really have many leads. Peter's family had described the second voice, because they were both there, both women were there, the second voice as a man disguising his voice as a woman. But they were able to trace the gun back to Golden, And when she was brought in for questioning, she immediately spilled everything. So maybe dumping her right after had cost Joan any loyalty that she might've had towards her. Both women were charged with second degree murder and sentenced to five years to life. Five years. That seems a little light to me. So this case has constantly been used as an example of women getting lighter sentences. Okay, this one's a little rougher.
1: Okay, so on October 31st, 1973, nine-year-old Lisa French dressed up as a little hobo and went out trick-or-treating. She actually wanted to be a butterfly, but her mom talked her into being a hobo because it would be warmer. After dinner, she was supposed to meet up with a friend and go to the pumpkin place. The pumpkin place?
0: Yeah, it was like a safe place that parents had put together in the neighborhood for kids to go trick-or-treating. So it was like they were trick-or-treating from kind of like what some people do now with like trunk-or-treat where they meet in a place and it's all safe families that know each other and they trick-or-treat out of the trunks of the cars instead of like going to houses
1: her friend though had gotten in trouble and wasn't allowed out that night
0: lisa set out on her own which i know this is in the 70s but she's nine is that normal in the 70s yeah okay dang
1: how much trouble do you got to be in not to be able to go out on halloween trick-or-treating i know
0: that's kind of a big day to like miss out on
1: She would only make it to three houses that night. The first two were a teacher and a classmate's house. They both gave her candy and sent her on her way. Her next house was a neighbor named Gerald Turner, who coaxed Lisa into the house and closed the door. Mm. So Gerald used to share a duplex with Lisa's family. So she knew him quite well. And when he lived next door, they would chat often. But when Gerald got Lisa into his house and closed the door, he raped and killed her. I don't like you, Gerald. No, Gerald is a scumbag. He said that at one point his girlfriend came home and interrupted him. He said he put socks on his hands and moved her to the master bathroom. He went out, wrapped in a bathrobe, and told his girlfriend that he wasn't feeling good and went back to the room multiple times. While she was there. After she left, he put her body in a garbage bag and dumped it in a nearby field. When Lisa wasn't home by seven, the agreed upon time, her mother started to worry. By 10 p.m., the neighborhood was out searching for the little girl. Police also started searching for Lisa at this point. The next day, over 5,000 people had joined in. The National Guard was even called in. Eventually, a farmer on his tractor found her body. Turner had already been questioned police could prove that Lisa had been to two other houses and no one had seen her after his house.
0: Right because she's just going to houses down the line Mm -hmm. so yeah we saw Lisa we gave her candy we sent her on her way yeah Lisa was here we gave her candy and sent her on her way. Next house nope never saw Lisa. Turner says and then after that nobody saw her so it's either the second house that she got candy from is lying or Gerald is lying more than likely and, of course, you know, obviously he denied involvement, but after nine months, he cracked and confessed. Nine, it took them nine months, and he had to confess. Like, they had obviously no evidence on him.
1: Did he really do that so cleanly that there was absolutely no evidence in his house? Right? Doesn't that seem crazy? That seems real
0: suspicious. Or were they never able to search his house? I mean, I don't mm. know.
1: Yeah. He later claimed that he only confessed because police were harassing him.
0: Yeah, so he said that they'd been bringing him in over and over again, and it just got so draining that he had to confess.
1: You are the lowest of scum, Gerald. Okay, in 1992, he was paroled after 17... He got parole? Yep. No fucking way. Yep. You're kidding. Nope. When it was discovered that his minimum sentence had been miscalculated, he was put back in jail and scheduled for release in 1994. This time, the state asked to have him held in a secure mental institute. In
0: 1998, he was released again. So they pulled him back in jail because there was all this public outcry about him being out in the first place. So they found this loophole, I'm guessing. Pulled him back into jail and scheduled his new release for 1994, two years later.
1: He raped and killed a nine-year-old girl. Yep. Really don't understand the system, but it's fine. Okay, this time the state asked to have him held in a secure mental institute. In 1998, he was released. He violated his parole when they found pornography on his computer in 2003 and sent him back to prison. He is currently eligible for parole. But let's hope he doesn't get it. I have no words. Like, what? What? I literally don't know. I don't know. What I don't understand. Here's what I don't understand, okay. So... Wait, we, we,
0: we don't have a lot of time, so if you're going to go over the I'm list gonna go, of things you don't no. understand.
1: Oh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. That was rude. Okay, what I don't understand is how, like we said in the case before, two women conspired to kill one grown
0: man. Then one They only got five to- years to life. Their minimum sentence was five years. His minimum sentence was eight, 19 years. I just don't understand how anybody who committed a crime like this could ever walk the streets again.
1: Rape and kill a nine-year-old girl. You are definitely a threat to society. After you do
0: that, well, obviously, I mean, he couldn't even behave himself. Was it child pornography on his computer? Or I'm assuming it? this is not a feel-good episode, guys. <laughs> not that any of them are, but Happy Halloween. But this one's even more frustrating because it's like case after case after case. Oh, so wow. on October 31st, 1974, enter the Candyman. So this is the case that made all parents frantically check their children's Halloween candy.
1: I remember doing that, and then you'd take half my candy. You'd be like, oh, I'm going to inspect
0: this one and eat it. No, I would not. If anybody was eating your candy, it was your dad. Mainly my dad. Uh, My butterfingers, all gone. I do like butterfingers. Okay. Timmy O'Brien, who was eight years old, was eager to go trick-or-treating. His dad, Ronald, was out watching over his children, so Timmy, who was eight, and then Elizabeth, who was five. They were out with their neighbor, Jim Bates, and his young son. One house they went to had no lights on, but the children still insisted on banging on the door, but received no answer. The kids ran off to another house, and Jim followed right behind them. A short time later, Ronald caught up with the group and said he had good news. He produced a handful of 21-inch pixie sticks and said the house had answered the door after all. He handed the candy out to the children. He also gave one to a boy named Ronald that they had passed along the way. They came home after their night of trick-or-treating, and Ronald allowed his son one more piece of candy before bed. And Timmy picked the pixie stick. So he had trouble getting any of the powder out, because it was kind of stuck together and clumpy, his dad had actually helped him loosen it up. Red flag. Have any of you had pixie sticks before? Yeah. Does everybody know what a pixie stick is? Basically, it's like a stick full of sugar, It's basically 21 inches is a really big one, though. Yeah, it's like those jumbo ones that they make that have like the plastic instead of the paper.
1: Yeah, see, if it was a paper one and like, the stuff was stuck together, I wouldn't be, you'd be
0: tossed that away because it got wet, obviously. Yeah. That's what happens to paper, the paper wrappers. Timmy immediately complained about the taste, and his dad gave him Kool-Aid to wash it down with. After eating the candy, he promptly became ill and began to vomit. He died on the way to the hospital less than an hour later. The pixie stick actually had enough cyanide in it to kill two people. They tracked down the rest of the children who had received the pixie stick. One of the parents couldn't find it and panicked. They actually found their son in bed holding the pixie stick. He had been unable to open the candy and had fallen asleep while trying. Can you even imagine being told by the police that your son has a... Tainted candy. Tainted candy, and then you dump out his candy bin... And you can't find it. And you can't find it. I would be so panicked. So they took Ronald back to the neighborhood to see if he could point out the house that he had received the tainted candy from, but he was unable to remember. When he finally did remember and pointed out the house, police went there and no one was home. So they went to the man's work and arrested him in front of all of his colleagues. It turned out that he was working on Halloween and his wife and daughter were home and they had turned the lights out early when they ran out of candy and had not been answering the door. It was later determined that Ronald, Timothy's dad, had actually been the one to poison the candy with cyanide. He fed cyanide-poisoned candy to his own son. He was in debt, and he had taken out life insurance policies on both of his children. He was in about $100,000 worth of debt, and he had taken out $10,000 per child in January that year, and then a further $20,000 on each a month before Halloween. And wouldn't you know it, he called the insurance company at 9 a.m. the day after his son died to find out about collecting the life insurance. And he gave it to his son and his daughter, his friend's son, and a neighborhood kid to throw suspicion off of himself. So the the poor guy that was arrested that had nothing to do with it, the house where the dad claimed he got the candy from? No. Totally innocent. It was the dad the whole time. Seriously, one of the most messed up things I've ever, ever, ever encountered. It took the jury about 46 minutes to convict him. He was sentenced to death by lethal injection, which was carried out on March 31, 1984. A mob of over 300 people outside chanted trick-or-treat while chucking hard candies at anti-death protesters. Sorry, that's not funny, but... I... I mean, it kind of is. Chucking hard candy. (laughs) Like, did they bring the hard candy to chuck it at the protesters? Oh, I assume. Did they already have it? So... This case, even though it was the dad, this spurred fear into the nation. I mean, parents still to this day check their children's candy for tampering because of this case. Because initially, nobody knew it was the dad. They just knew that a little boy had died from cyanide poisoning from his Halloween candy.
1: There has to be more than that. No,
0: there's been razor blades, there's been all sorts of cases. How messed up are you on
1: the head to put needles, razor blades, cyanide into children's candy? Like, what's wrong with you? It's
0: children. Seriously. Come on, people. Ugh. But yeah. So, that's the Candyman. That's how that started. In case anybody was curious, I didn't know that story. I didn't know that story, but I've heard of the
1: Candyman and how he poisoned children's candy, but I didn't know that it was a... I didn't know that it was the dad of the kid. I didn't know that. On October 31st, 1975, Martha Moxley, who was 15, from Greenwich, Connecticut. She had only moved to Connecticut a couple years earlier, but she didn't seem phased by the move. She was even voted best personality in middle school and had straight A's. Martha lived
0: in a gated community. Martha went out for mischief night. Yeah, so basically Mischief Night in Connecticut is a thing. It's where the teenagers all go out and they teepee houses and they do all of these things. I think it's technically done the day before Halloween there. Uh, It's a bunch of mischievous things that teenagers do, but nothing nothing bad necessarily. Nothing damaging, nothing illegal. You know, it's like fun mischief night. It's like a tradition there.
1: Okay. So by 4 a.m. Martha had not returned home and her mother started calling her friends. One friend told her that she had seen Martha at the Skakels the night before. Martha's mom went and knocked on their door. The family lived across the street from her. The family had seven children, two of which were Thomas and Michael, who were 15 and 17. And remember, Martha's 15. Yes. Yeah, so the closest ones to Martha's mm-hmm. age. The family had had a rough couple of years. Their mom had died of brain cancer two years earlier and the children were often left unsupervised. So Martha had made references in her journal to advances that Tom had been making at her and that Michael had been upset about it. When Martha's mom knocked on the door, Michael was the one who answered, and he had said that he had not seen her daughter. Around noon that day, one of Martha's friends found her body at the edge of her own property. Imagine. Imagine finding your friend's body at 15. No. That traumatizing. would be so traumatizing. You would literally never have friends again because you would just be afraid of that shit. Like you, I, would... I don't think I'd leave the house ever again. Martha had been beaten to death with a golf club. She had been beaten so severely that the golf club had broken and a piece had been stabbed into her neck.
0: Yeah, I believe it had been broken into three different pieces as well. And then when they found her... The golf club piece was still sticking out of her neck.
1: No. Okay. There was no sign of sexual assault, although her pants and underwear were pulled down. The golf club was a six iron that had belonged to a set owned by the neighbors, whose house she was at last.
0: The goals. Mm-hmm. And the golf club also had the mom's name embroidered on it. Martha had written in her diary that she needed
1: to stop going over there a few months before her death.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like she already felt like there was something wrong. Maybe that she shouldn't be spending time with these boys, that something didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. When they interviewed Tom, he said
1: that he had last seen her around 9.30. When he said goodbye and went inside to
0: write a report on Abraham Lincoln. Now remember, Tom is the older one. The one that gets mad, right? No. Is that... no, so Tom is the older one. He is 17, and Michael is the younger one who's 15. So Tom had been making advances at her, Oh, but and Michael... Michael felt like she was, like, flirting with him or leading him on or something. Mm. So teachers had denied that this was ever
1: an assignment, but despite that, he passed the lie detector test. Yep. They investigated the father, but nothing ever came of that. He failed multiple lie detector tests. Which is interesting, but like we said, lie detector tests. I have such little faith. I don't think that they are super accurate. Which is why they're not, what is it, medicinal? But, but what is Admissible. That word? Admissible? Yeah. I don't know what the they're word not is. admissible in court. Admissible yeah. in court. So the case stalled, and some believed that this was because who the family was. They were a very influential family because they were cousins of the Kennedys. Yep. Okay, two decades later, the case had been reopened two years two decades not even two years two Two decades decades later the case had been reopened and michael who had been 15 at the time was their prime suspect many inconsistencies came out including one where michael admitted to climbing the tree outside martha's bedroom and masturbating
0: that night right which that's kind of a really strange detail to have change in your storyline because that was not any part of his story earlier So, I'm not sure why you would even tell the police that. I'm not really sure, but...
1: And Tom's saying that him and Martha had engaged in mutual masturbation that night.
0: Which, what, all of a sudden, 20 years later, both these boys are saying they were involved in some sort of masturbation scheme with her. Like, but why? Why? Why are you saying that you engaged in mutual masturbation? Well, here's one thing that I was thinking Maybe they thought, with the case being reopened at this time, 20 years later, that maybe there was DNA. And Tom was worried that his DNA would be on her, so he came up with this story. So, yeah, I don't know what you're doing, Michael, and why you're sharing this information. That you climbed a tree? Right. Right. But also, this tree's on her property, too. Maybe they're both trying to account for their DNA being potentially being on her in some way, shape, or form. Michael's in her yard masturbating. Kate's saying the word masturbating, by the way. And Tom is over here at the house doing the same thing with her. So, therefore, both of their DNA being trapped in into her yard could be explained that way. Okay. But still, Michael drew the short straw on changing their story there because yeah. his is really weird. His is Very weird. Okay. But his could be true, and Tom's could be a lie.
1: I mean, we have no idea. So 25 years after the murder, Michael was arrested and convicted of the murder and sentenced to 20 years to life in prison. He maintained his innocence, and on May 2nd, 2018, his
0: conviction was vacated. He had only served 11 years. So he's free right now. The prosecutors are still trying to find a way to bring this case back to trial, but... Why was Michael the one that was arrested? I'm not sure why they fixated on him, especially since it sounds like in the earlier investigation, he wasn't really even a suspect. It sounded like they were looking more at Tom and the dad, but something made them... So so 20 years later, what even brought them back to this case is there was a rumor that one of the other cousins in the family had been responsible for her murder, that he had been at their house that night, And that he was actually the one responsible. When police went to look into it, they discovered he had nothing to do with it. But it made them re-look at the case. And all of a sudden, these new detectives, prosecutors, all zoned in on Michael. So kind Mm. of strange. Yeah. Kind of strange. So, on October 31, 1979, Shirley Ledford was hitchhiking on her way home from a Halloween party. Okay. I'm going to say it again. Don't hitchhike. Especially after hearing this story, you're not gonna want to hitchhike. It I don't want to hitchhike at all after the rest of our fucking episodes. I must say, I must say, I have a very different outlook on hitchhiking now than I used to. This one's real. icky, though, she was picked up by two men in a dingy van. Again, one more thing that I'm gonna say here. Don't get into a van. Don't get into a don't dingy van. I'll Never trust a van. Oh. Vans are scary. So one of the men she recognized because he was a patron of the restaurant where she was a part-time waitress, so she probably felt a little safer getting into this van with him because she at least knew one of the men, right? She's not safe. They offered her marijuana, which she refused. They pulled onto a secluded street where they pulled out a knife and then bound and gagged her with construction tape. What's construction tape? I don't know what construction tape is, actually. I'm guessing a really strong tape. If you know what construction tape is, let us know. Because I don't know what that is. Because I mean, if it was duct tape, I feel like they'd say duct tape, but they call or it electrical tape. Yeah, maybe electrical tape. Maybe it's electrical tape. Is it? I know we've name? talked about how we don't like tape. I don't know I don't
1: like electrical tape at all.
0: Unfortunately for Shirley, this turned out to be the toolbox killers. And if you've heard of the toolbox killers, oh they're real bad. They're real, real bad. These two killers were known for picking up female hitchhikers and torturing them with tools typically found in a toolbox. No. I I don't like that. No.
1: No. No. It's all the things we don't like.
0: Hammers. are coming out, you guys. No, No, it gets worse. Okay. So they also recorded and took pictures of their victims during their killings, which is how we know what happened to Shirley. I'm going to get through this really fast, guys. Okay. So... This is hard to listen to, so. Yeah, so maybe take a break if you need to right now. It's not fun. And I'm also going to leave out some details as well. If you want to know more details, you are more than welcome to go and find them. But I did not include all the details in this case or one other case that's real bad. Happy Halloween! So, time to go take a break if you need to. If not, here we go. So, on the tape, she can be heard screaming. She's being raped and tortured, which included pliers and a sledgehammer. She was hit 25 consecutive times upon the same elbow with the sledgehammer for some reason. Why? I do not know. 25 times in the same spot. Why? They also took turns, you guys. One would drive, one would torture, and then they would switch. So they tortured her for about two hours before strangling her with a coat hanger. And then they dumped her body in a random yard. She was their fifth and final victim. And thank God, one of their friends actually turned them in. So one of them had been like blabbing to a friend at one point, And he actually turned them in. The one that didn't cooperate was sentenced to death. And the other one got 45 years to life for cooperating.
1: Jesus. Don't hitchhike. Don't. I don't even walk by creepy vans and parking lots.
0: And be even more suspicious of anyone with a toolbox now. Jesus. Toolboxes. We're adding um, toolboxes to the list. We better be afraid
1: of everyone that lives in this house because we got at least six toolboxes in <laughs> I was going to say,
0: we have a few toolboxes laying around.
1: All right, here we go. So on October 31st, again, 1981, Ronald Sisman, who was 39, and El- Elizabeth Platzman,
0: who was 19. Which, by the way, might I just say... That's a little larger gap than I would like. I would agree with that. That'd be you with a 39-year-old right now. Who do we know that's 39? That's older than me. <laughs> I think. Right? I'm 38. Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: older than me. That's higher than I would go. I wouldn't go 39. So Ronald had invited his girlfriend Elizabeth over for a photo shoot. I don't like photo shoots because that one killer, the one. Yeah. What's There's his name? a lot of things. Do you know that, his name? Is this from Fighting. Criminal Minds or is this in real life? No, it actually the real life killer. No, it's from what it's it's not it's from Mindhunters. Mind but he's a real guy. To...
0: He's a real guy. He's a real serial killer. So Maddie and I started watching a new crime show so you guys are going to be hearing new crime examples that it's... are not just from Criminal Minds or the Office. No, we started watching Mindhunters. It took me about 3 episodes to get into it. I, it was like so going from. But it I was, was like, really uh... it was really it's
1: really good after you get past it. Yeah, it's up.
0: really good. Yeah. But it's like... It's a little graphic. You hear the... It, it is. It's very graphic. They don't thanks leave for the warning, out. Maddie. The first episode, I was like, oh my God. And then literally there's been like no gore in like the next three episodes. And I'm like, thanks guys. Like, so, so yeah,
1: new references coming your way. They were enjoying wine when a group of masked individuals showed up at their door. Ronald opened the door. The couple was found early the next morning. They had been beaten and shot in the back of the head at close range the apartment was ransacked and the furniture had been ripped and other items were torn apart there was no forced entry obviously there was a 25 caliber pistol that was registered to ron and was believed to be the murder weapon that was missing that gun was missing it's nowhere to be found
0: also the victim's driver's license was missing which sounds like a hit to me Bring the driver's license, this is who I killed. Mm-hmm.
1: Some believe that Ronald might have been involved in drugs, but nothing was found to prove that. And this case is still unsolved. But it gets even weirder. Mm-hmm. While in jail, the son of Sam killer, who they also talk about, they also interview him in the... Mindhunters. Mindhunters. Yes, yes. He allegedly predicted the murders in advance. He also claimed that he was only partially responsible for the killings that were attributed to him. He said that he was part of a satanic cult and that Sisman had a video of one of the Son of Sam shootings and was going to give it to the authorities, so the cult killed him.
0: Yeah, and who knows if this is true or not. I mean, this information came out after the fact. Somebody saying, well, he told me this was going to happen. Before it happened. So October 31, 1981, at the St. Francis Covenant, convent, <laughs> at the St. Francis Convent in Armarillo, Texas. Can we
1: call it a covenant? No. I like that better. It sounds like witches. I like convent. it more.
0: It's a convent, you
1: guys. In Armarillo, Texas. I want to live in Amarillo. Armarillo. Armarillo. Whatever it is. Armarillo? Sounds like Armadillo. I want to No, just because of the name. Not because of anything, because I know nothing about it. I just like the name.
0: Perfect. Okay. So nuns noticed that there was a broken window in the community room, and they called the police immediately. Sister Tadia Benz, who was 76, was found naked and had been stabbed, strangled, and raped in her room. Her bloody clothing and a knife were found under the bed Witnesses had seen a man with dark skin and black curly hair outside the convent the night of the murder. This murder also resembled another one that had occurred on July 9, where a woman named Narni Bryson, who was 77, was raped and murdered in her home. I have a really
1: big issue with old women being raped and murdered. I have right? A really, I, I don't like that.
0: Oh, this bothers me so much. So the MO was similar, and DNA in hair that was curly and black left by a Hispanic man had been found at the other crime scene. So they're kind of matching them up, right? We've got a witness saying they saw a black curly-haired man Mm -hmm. outside the convent, and then we've got DNA from a black curly hair at the other crime scene. Okay. So semen had been collected at our current crime scene, but since the pathologist didn't have the proper equipment to analyze semen at the time, he discarded it. The f- What's wrong with you? Like, he just threw it away. Someone and, to smack this man on the back of the head. Yes, this was in 81, but still, people knew what DNA was at the time. Or they knew, like, that was starting to be a thing. A clairvoyant, actually named Bubbles, started calling newspapers and saying that she had a vision that it was a teenage boy who wore a fake wig and lived on the same street as the convent. On November 9, Johnny Frank Garrett was arrested. He lived across the street, and a witness saw him running from the convent that evening. They found his fingerprints outside, which is also across the street from his house, and he had been there before, so I'm not sure how strange that is. He was arrested and allegedly confessed to the crime, although he denies that he ever confessed to the crime. And he also refused to sign the statement from his confession. So basically, he said he never confessed to anything and that the police are lying. The DNA hair left behind was from a black or Hispanic man, which Johnny was not. He was white and had light brown hair.
1: Then he doesn't even fit the, the, the thing that the witness said that saw him outside the church.
0: No, but another witness said they saw him, him Johnny, running away from the church. So two different men were seen by two different witnesses outside the church. Oh, yeah. Okay. One with curly, dark hair, and then Johnny. Okay. Okay. Um, also, for some reason, Johnny was never even questioned about the other murder, even though police had believed that they were connected. He was convicted and sentenced to death. His last words were, I'd like to thank my family for loving me and taking care of me. The rest of the world can kiss my ass. And he claimed that he was innocent until the end. Eventually, another man named Ruda was convicted of the murder of Narni, which was the first original one, after police received a DNA hit from that DNA evidence. But he was not charged with the murder of the nun, even though he actually confessed to it. Trigger warning, I did cut a lot out of this particular one. But, if you're a little extra sensitive, this might also be a good one to skip. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. And we're not going to talk about all of it in this one. If you want more fun details, we'll probably talk about it a little more in the Bunker Talk, but for, for now. Yeah. Or you can look it up yourself. Or you can look it up yourself. because. It is public information. It's real disturbing, though, you guys. Don't look it up. You don't want to know.
1: I I don't even want to know. You don't want to know. But I'm about to read this, so I guess I'm going to have to find out. You don't want to know the other.
0: You don't want to know what I didn't put in here. Oh, okay, okay,
1: okay. Okay, Um, Okay. So on October 31st, 1984, (gasps) Dorian Herbert, who was eight months pregnant. No. This takes place in San Jose, California. At 9 p.m., there was a knock on her door. And when she answered, a man with a wolf mask said,
0: I'm going to kill you. And you guys, guess how we know that the man in the wolf mask said that?
1: Because her four-year-old daughter was there during the attack. She was there. I can't. That's that's like Phoenix.
0: I can't. Okay. Phoenix is already scared of the wolf. I like already want to skip this one and we've just started it. Okay, go.
1: Dorian's husband Charles ran to the store to get more candy. And had stopped by the liquor store. Naturally, Halloween candy, liquor. Right, like and he
0: normal. he estimated that he was gone for about 15 minutes. Oh, my God. But when her husband came home, it was a bloody massacre. And the baby was no longer in
1: her stomach. You and guys, you know, she
0: was very pregnant at this time, right? Eight months. So Doreen was still alive, barely. The baby was not but she died before she can make it to the hospital. And their daughter, their four-year-old daughter, she said her mommy had told her to go hide behind the couch. And so she did. And that's where they found her. I'm not okay. I'm so not okay right now.
1: I'm mentally disturbed. So officers found a bloody wolf mask at the scene and followed a trail of blood all the way down the block.
0: Yeah, and at this point, they believe that the assailant got into a vehicle because the trail stops. Yeah. But spoiler alert, you guys, this was her ex-husband, Michael Dennis, that committed this crime. So the couple had divorced in 1977.
1: They had a son named Paul together. He was bitter and struggled to find a new relationship. Dorian had remarried and had a daughter. Tragically, in 1980, four-year-old Paul had crawled through the gate and drowned in Dorian's pool.
0: Right, and this kind of sent Paul into a really bad place because in Paul's mind, she killed their child. She Not only did she kill her child, but he had this idea that it was premeditated and that she did it on purpose for some reason. Which, by the way, in case you guys are wondering, there's these turtle bracelets
1: that they have Dude,
0: if you live near a pool. Near water at all. Yeah, get this bracelet. And
1: it's so it you put like the little monitor in your house and then every time the child's bracelet that they wear comes in contact with water
0: any kind of water water. washing their hands falling in a pool any kind of water an
1: alarm goes off inside of your house so if your kids are out playing outside you have a pool whatever if they fall in this alarm goes off and yeah you guys just get it just like just that's what I'd recommend I don't know I almost saved multiple children from falling into pools that are way too young to be in pools
0: yeah. In my lifetime. Well, I used to be a lifeguard. I've literally jumped into pools to save children who are drowning. Get this bracelet.
1: So Paul blamed her for this and even tried to bring a wrongful death suit against Doreen. And this was unsuccessful, which, I mean, if the kid falls in the pool, it's not really... Well,
0: but I think this, like, made him even more yeah, angry. More angry. And I think as time went on, he just got more and more angry about it. Okay, so, when Do- when
1: Doreen announced in 1984 that she was pregnant with a boy, Paul snapped. Yeah. Paul was sentenced to death and is now sitting on
0: death row. Right, which I think he'll probably just be on death row probably for the rest of his life. I would but guess this happened in the 80s. Yeah. So, I mean, he snapped in his mind. She murdered their son and was now replacing their son with another baby. Like... He also was unsuccessful in finding new relationships. Like, he had all these other issues. Mm-hmm. So, he just snapped. That was it. Our next one happens in 1992. Please don't yell at me for pronouncing this very wrong because it's Maybe going to happen. Maybe you should look it up. Yoshihiro Hatori and another student named Haymaker. That one's easy. That's probably not how you That's pronounce it. That's not how you say it. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Somebody nicely correct us, please. So, they were Japanese exchange students who had been in the States for a couple months. They were heading to a party in New Orleans that had been organized by Japanese exchange students. So, Yoshi was dressed in a white tuxedo in imitation of John Travolta's character in Saturday Night Fever. Don't look at me. I don't know what that means. Maddie's shaking her head like, I don't know what that means. Saturday Night Fever? the I hell is Saturday Night I'm trying to do some of the dance moves for you guys. I don't even know it's what Saturday Fever is. It's a movie. It's a very famous movie. Like Look it up sometime. It's fine. Okay. I'm not old. So, it was about 8 p.m. Him and Haymaker, which we're pretty sure that's not how you say it, They were having trouble finding the address of the party, which is understandable. They're not from around here. Addresses probably work a little differently. So when they finally found what they thought was the house, they rang the doorbell, but no one answered. Bonnie, who lived at the residence, opened the side door and saw a haymaker who was wearing a neck brace due to a previous injury and had bandages on him for his costume. He was walking towards her and she suddenly panicked and slammed the door and yelled at her husband Rodney to get his gun. What? Yeah, this escalated real fast. Real,
1: really, really quickly. This is Halloween.
0: when he opened the door, Rodney yelled at the boys to freeze or the men to freeze. Yoshi continued to walk towards the man saying, we're here for the party. He was also holding a camera, which was mistaken for a weapon. They're having a Halloween party and she's freaking about someone. They're not having a Halloween. They're at the wrong house. But they don't know it. So Rodney shoots him. Because he's telling him to stop. Yoshi's not understanding him and is walking towards him trying to explain to him that they're there for the party. He thinks that the gun is some sort of like prank or joke or Halloween something. So... Rodney shoots him. The homeowner, so he claimed that he thought Yoshi was trespassing with criminal intent. And this was just an ordinary guy. Rodney was a 30-year-old supermarket butcher. He was at home with his wife. But it is Halloween. He did have decorations on his porch and his porch light was on when this happened. So the only thing that I can think is that whatever the other student. However he looked or appeared or walking towards the wife, she made her husband believe that there was a threat outside. He walked outside, gave instructions. The instructions were not followed, and he fired. But I'm sorry. It's it's Halloween. Like, there's two, I mean, adults, basically, in costume. But still, I mean, why even open your door? Be careful what door you knock on on Halloween. Apparently... I feel like I'm going
1: to get shot and poisoned and stabbed to death on Halloween now. There's a lot of bad shit good thing that can Good Halloween. thing I haven't gone trick-or-treating in like six, seven years. I know.
0: So I don't have to worry about it. This one's crazy too.
1: So on October 31st, 1998, okay, so 21-year-old Carl Jackson and his girlfriend went to pick up her nine-year-old son from a Halloween party in the Bronx. Some teenagers threw eggs at their car when Carl got out to confront them. After an exchange, he got back into the car. One of the boys pulled out a gun and shot him in the head. 17-year-old Curtis Sterling was charged with second-degree murder and criminal possession of a weapon. He was convicted and sentenced 20 years to life.
0: Yep, and every year, you guys, on Halloween, Carl's mom actually sends Curtis a card saying that she's glad he's running in prison. That's sweet. What the hell? He just whipped out a gun and shot him? Yeah, and they're the ones that were egging the car. So he got out. He They exchanged words. Then he got back in the car, thought it was over. And all of a sudden, the guy pulls out a gun and shoots him. What the f- What is wrong with people? I don't know. I had never even heard that story. But it just goes to- It's like road rage, right? It's like I tell you guys all the time. Like, no road rage is worth any- Kind of confrontation because people are crazy. People are crazy. Oh, my God. Okay. So then we're moving on to October 31, 2002, which could possibly be connected to the Smiley Face murder. Hmm. If you haven't heard of that. So Chris Jenkins, he left a Halloween party at the Lone Tree Bar and Grill in Minneapolis. He was ejected from the bar a few hours after arriving, but there's conflicting reports as to why he was thrown out of the bar. He was wearing an American Indian costume in 20-degree weather. He didn't have a jacket, you guys. And at this point, he simply disappeared. When he didn't return home, his family immediately became concerned. On two separate occasions, bloodhounds actually tracked his scent from a pizza shop across the street to a parking garage where his scent ended. They also found drops of blood in this parking garage. So he turned up. In the Mississippi River, four months later, and he was still wearing his Halloween costume, indicating that he had died Yeah, that night. That night. His death was thought initially to be an accident or suicide. However, there are many similarities between his death and other young men found in water across North America, hence the Smiley Face murders. His family's convinced this was no accident or suicide attempt. He had a clump of hair in his hand, and he also had GHB in his system.
1: What's GHB?
0: It's the date rape drug.
1: Oh, it's a date rape drug. Okay.
0: And he also had both of his shoes on still, and his arms were like clenched into like, like crossed and clenched. So, from their perspective, they're saying there's no way he jumped into the river and He's tried a comb to survive. Yeah. Of hair. And like- he still has his shoes on. Like, if you fall in the river or try to kill yourself, trying to swim or I mean anything like that is going to dislodge your your clothing but he was pristinely placed don't do like that don't like
1: that at all okay so on October 31st 2004 in Napa California friends Leslie Adriana and Lauren spent their evening handing out Halloween candy and these were three roommates by the way okay around 11 p.m. the three friends went to bed between one thirty and 2 a.m. Lauren notes that the security light tripped behind the garage and her dog gave off one warning bark. Lauren dismissed it as a cat sitting off the sensor and the dog barking because of it. She drifted back to sleep and then she heard someone enter the house and headed upstairs. She assumed it was the roommate's boyfriend who had been prone to visits lately.
0: Yeah it's funny they actually so this boyfriend visiting the house was the first male that they had had come into the house since they became roommates And none of them were really prepared for it and apparently the couple was kind of loud and they had to have, like, a house meeting about, like, house rules for that sort of thing. But they decided, yes, everybody should be allowed to have their boyfriends over. However, maybe we could come up with some, like, courtesy. Maybe you should just
1: be quieter when you're roommates. I know. And then she drifted back to sleep once again. Lauren then was woken by a horrifying scream and commotion. She could hear Adriana screaming, Oh my God, please help. Please help. She opened her bedroom door and was frozen with fear. When she heard the intruder crashing down the stairs, she ran towards the back door and realized
0: she would be trapped by the six foot fence. So she basically like, instead of running for the front door, she ran for the back door because it was closer to her bedroom. And then when she got out there, she realized she was trapped. I'm sorry. I'm climbing. I guess not. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm climbing the six foot fence in the middle of the night with no shoes on. If I can jump, I can
1: jump. I can jump to reach the top of a six foot fence, and I am short. I do have orangutan
0: arms, in my
1: defense. You do have long
0: arms, but I think that I would find a way over that fence if I were her.
1: So she hid and could hear the intruder struggling with the blinds. Why is the intruder struggling with
0: blinds? I don't know. They're in the kitchen doing something. Maybe looking for her. I mean, I don't know. And she
1: could still hear her roommate crying for help. When she thought the intruder might be gone, she snuck back into the house and tried to call 911 from the kitchen. But the lion was dead. She tiptoed upstairs. She was met with a horrific sight. The entire bedroom was covered in blood. Leslie was face down in a pile of clothes with stab wounds all over her upper body and arms. Adriana was crouched behind her bed. She was alive but rapidly bleeding to death. She went back downstairs and got her phone, ran outside where she called 911. The line went dead and she feared that the intruder might still be by. She got in her car and while driving away, called 911 again. The investigation for this case went nowhere for a long time. They had DNA from blood in the kitchen that matched a cigarette butt found outside. In August, they told Lauren that they thought that the killer was a smoker She remembered a friend of one of her roommates who had helped the girls move in was a smoker. She told the police that he had been really shy and seemed harmless. His DNA had not been tested.
0: Yeah, so when they actually brought him in, his name was Eric Matthew Copel. He confessed to the murders, but never gave a motive. Which, this is so bizarre. So, he never explained why. He was friends with one of her roommates, and he had married the friend of one of her roommates as well. So there was implications that he didn't like how close the roommate and his wife were or his girlfriend at the time. Maybe he thought she was trying to break them up. I don't really know. It's super bizarre, but he never gave like an actual motive for this crime, but he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole.
1: He'd attended one of the candlelight visuals for the girls. And Lauren said that she had never suspected him
0: and had never gotten a sinister vibe from him. So, on October 31, 2008, Tony Derisaw, known as TJ, went out trick-or-treating with his brother and his stepdad. So, both boys were dressed up as members of the Jabbawockee, which, I don't know what that is. Do you know what that is?
1: Mm-hmm. Jabbawockees from Star Wars.
0: Their dad, though, was not in costume at the time. So, their mom was actually in the minivan outside with their two-year-old brother. So, they knocked on a door that did have its porch lights on. Instead of candy, they received 29 bullets through the front door with a fully automatic AK-47. What? The absolute hell? Thirteen of which hit TJ. His mother ran to her son from the van, and when she pulled his mask off, she saw that he had a bullet wound right over his eye. I literally cannot. His dad and younger brother were also hit. His nine-year-old brother was shot in the leg and the side, and his stepdad was shot in the arm and grazed in the stomach. It turns out that the owner of the house, Quentin Patrick, who was 22, oh, he thought it was a convicted drug dealer that he had upset from a rival gang and thought they were coming for retribution. Quentin had multiple convictions for possession with intent to distribute. He was a felon, which prohibited him from possessing a firearm. He was sentenced to 30 years in jail. And also during the shooting, he had his girlfriend and his two-year-old daughter in the home with him, and they all tried to flee, taking $7,500 with them from the house. What? What? This kid, what? Just happened. Like, Exactly. What in the actual It's Halloween. Why are people on Halloween shooting other people? People are going to knock on your door. It's Halloween. It's literally Halloween. I'm literally scared to go knock on any doors, especially with COVID happening. Like, what if people are even crazier? You guys, should we be going trick-or-treating? I'm not sure we should be going trick-or-treating. Are you guys going trick-or-treating? Can you let us know if you're going trick-or-treating? And also, if you're not, Could it be accepting trick-or-treaters at your front door? Can you please turn your light off? I don't know. So we may not be going trick-or-treating. I don't even know if we were going to go trick-or-treating, but now I'm like, fuck no, I'm not going trick-or-treating. Okay.
1: Okay, so on October 31st, 2010, Devin Griffin, who was 16, came home on Halloween night. He lived with his mom, stepdad, older brother, and stepbrother. He had spent the previous night at a friend's house. When he got home, The house was
0: silent. Which, if any of you all live in a house that has multiple people in it, it's never silent. I have never walked into my house with my family home and had it be silent. I have walked into this house when it's silent,
1: but it's also, like,
0: the middle of the night doesn't count. That doesn't count. He's not walking into his house in the middle of the night. Yeah, true. Okay. Okay. He went
1: to check on his family and found his stepdad in bed, covered in blood. He had been shot five times. His brother Derek, who was twenty three, had been bludgeoned with a hammer. No. Eight hammers.
0: Fucking hammered.
1: His mother had been raped and shot. He ran outside and called his aunt, who called nine one one.
0: Just called nine one one. Cut out the middleman. You, you, you've you done that to me before. You call 911. You call me and you're like, um, I think somebody's breaking into the house. And I'm like, call 911. You're like, okay, are you're you right. sure? But if you guys were all dead, But I'd when probably... you're young, I mean, he's like 16. When sure. you're young, that's, calling 911 can be scary. Okay, so missing from the scene was his stepbrother, William. I have a feeling that William know, might have yeah. some explaining to do. Okay,
1: so his stepbrother, was responsible. He had a history of mental illness and could suffer from schizophrenia. The family had trouble with him in the past and he had even threatened his stepmom before. As a youth, he'd been charged with assault and robbery. And once he hit his stepmom
0: with a coffee cup and took her car keys. Yeah, which the state later dropped the charges on this. I'm not really sure why. It could be that the parents weren't were refusing to press charges. It could be that he was a minor. Sometimes those things get kind of lost in the cracks but can you imagine this mom like she's married to this guy she's got her own two kids and then she's got the stepson that's like hitting her with coffee cups threatening her and then later kills her i mean no thank you he did
1: plead guilty and was sentenced to life in prison but he did kill himself in jail in
0: 2015 okay on october 31 2011 around 2 30 p.m liddell i think that's how you say it Liddell Peoples, that's his name, who was 55, got a little upset on Halloween when he couldn't find his bag of Halloween candy. He's 55? Yep. He probably bought his own bag of candy. I don't Hmm. think he went to a grocery store for it, but he had, like, specific candy that he liked. Tootsie Rolls was one of them. I don't know.
1: When I'm really, really old... I wonder why I've never seen really, really, really old people trick-or-treating, because I feel like that would be something that, like, hell yeah an 80-year-old person, that's what I'm gonna do, because I feel like... Digging through the bowl for the soft candy, yeah. yeah. When I'm old, I'm going trick-or-treating. Yep. I'm gonna be a little old lady with my cane trick-or-treating. We can go together. You'll be pushing me in my wheelchair, you'll have your cane, <laughs> it's fine. Which is even sadder, because that's a complete possibility, because we're only 19 years apart. <laughs>
0: point
1: right? so you're not gonna outlive me by that much uh,
0: okay <laughs> okay so God. he so he accused his partner maria who was 49 of stealing it which she denied like is this an escalation had she stole his candy before i'm super confused and concerned about okay. their relationship he became enraged and a fight ensued liddell attacked her with multiple knives stabbing oh, her she threw several plates at him in an attempt to defend herself, but she was not successful. He actually killed her. He was charged with first-degree murder and aggravated domestic battery, and he was sentenced to 30 years over a bag of candy. Do you think she really, like, hit it just to, like, make him mad? She's like, I'm so sick of him and his bag of candy. I'm going to hide it. Like, what happened here? I'm so confused.
1: All right, so on October 31st, 2012, John White had served two separate prison terms. One for stabbing a woman and murdering another. Cool. Okay, so by 2012, he was a pastor at a small church in Michigan. That is... Seems like a good progression. Okay. It it does. It does. He had become romantically involved with a neighbor and was engaged to her. John drank several beers before going over to his fiance's daughter's trailer, where the daughter was getting her three-year-old son ready for Halloween. He actually babysat for her sometimes when she was working. But on this day, that's not what happened. He hit her in the head with a rubber mallet several times and strangled her with a zip tie. He dumped her body in a nearby field, and then returned to help her son finish
0: getting dressed for Halloween. Yeah, and then he passed the boy along to his father when he came to pick him up. So, ended- What in the heck? What in the heck? Like, what a weird. How do you gets out of prison? Becomes a pastor. Watches
1: this. Watches his fiance's daughter, daughter's kid multiple times. Then all of a sudden, Halloween's just like he's like drinks a few beers and he's like, "I'm gonna kill her. I'm gonna kill her." He actually he ended up being convicted for this. Obviously, he did end up committing suicide in prison. But um, his reason he said was that he wanted to have sex
0: with a dead body with people now that we've given you guys all of this murder we have a little mayhem to lighten the mood so in 2016 two men in costumes showed up at a halloween party uninvited this party was in san antonio one of them was dressed as kruger from a nightmare on elm street no thank you and for those of you who are really young like maddie that's the 1984 horror movie i do know nightmare on elm street okay good after starting a fight the two were asked to leave that's when they pulled out a shotgun and began firing. Oh Four God. men and one woman was shot. The woman actually tried to drive herself to the hospital but got into a car accident. Cause she shot. All eventually made it to the hospital, and I'm pretty sure they all survived. Why? But side note, I don't think those men were apprehended. So this is a lot of mass people getting I mean, not all of them get away with their crimes, but a lot of these So get it sounds away. like
1: he got away with his crime. Yeah.
0: All right. Cookie
1: Monster stabbed in Times Square. Yep. While attempting to break up a fight. In Times Square. In Times Square. This is happening in Times Square, by the way, guys. Like, in Times Square. Yes. Cookie Monster was stabbed in the back. This fight was between a man dressed as a World War II military pilot and a man dressed as an American Indian. The man dressed as the pilot had taken offense to the man dressed as the American Indian and a fight had broken out, and then Cookie Monster attempted to break up this fight, and he
0: was stabbed in the back. And the other two were unable to be located. When so the death settled.
1: They ran. Yep. They ran. And I'm. I want to know who stabbed Cookie Monster in the back. Can you imagine? You just watch Cookie Monster get stabbed in hey, Times Square. Hey babe, how was your
0: day? Oh, you oh, know, what? stabbed Cookie Monster in Times Square. It was cool. <laughs> like okay, what? Okay, so this one though. This one. This one takes the cake right here. Okay.
1: Did this one happen in 2012 when those clowns were terrorizing no, the world? I don't know what year this one happened.
0: Okay. A Tennessee clown was arrested. The clown was apparently chasing cars. It was the married mother of three, Candy Creedle. She was also charged with public intoxication and making non-emergency 911 calls. She was also partially nude, but was wearing circus makeup to look like a clown. Maybe she was just really drunk and her makeup was really smeared because she was sweating it off. And then she got hot from chasing cars and had to take some of her clothes off. Maybe this is totally innocent. Um. (laughs) No, it's not. She had, like, full-on clown makeup on. Can you imagine, though? Like, you're, like, driving along and and there's, like, a half-naked lady with clown makeup on, like, chasing your vehicle. Do you not remember the
1: 2014... I think it was 14 When 15, all the
0: clowns were When all the clowns
1: were around Dude. and, like, it you was an actual fear terrifying. to get killed by clowns. No, Just terrifying. The, the street.
0: Terrifying. I hate clowns. And I
1: cannot believe that's, like, a marked time in our yeah. history because that was a different Dude. level. Clowns, no thank you. Okay, so teddy bear arrested. <laughs> yeah. That's the name of this one. <laughs> so, in Indiana, Travis Wallace, who is 28, dressed as a teddy bear. He had been threatening hotel employees with a knife when arrested he was found with two 10-inch hunting knives and and a folding knife and a box cutter why do you need so many knives teddy bear i don't know (laughs) come on teddy put your knives away okay he would revealed the knife to a hotel employee after standing silent behind her for 20 seconds.
0: Yeah. So no, thank you on that one. Like <laughs> I what guess I need to be actual... a friend of teddy bears. What the hell is this? And how did she not know he was standing behind? So they have this on video where he's like for 20 seconds, like standing well, behind. Well, maybe we. If the I feel like that if the hotel was loud,
1: no, like there was there's noise no way. Opening. There's no way. Okay,
0: there's more though.
1: Okay. He then went to the hotel's laundry room where he showed the knife to a surveillance camera yep. <laughs> and made stabbing gestures before sliding the knife across
0: his throat and keep in mind he's doing all of this you guys while dressed like a freaking teddy bear like yeah can you imagine <laughs> Being the cop that had to watch that surveillance footage. What kind of teddy bear costume is he in? I, I don't even to, know. I need to know. I know.
1: Is he in like a full-fledged like head or is I, he no, I like think a,
0: it's like the whole thing. I think it's or like, like the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, is he in
1: like a teddy bear, like a big yes. teddy bear thing? Or is he in
0: like one of those pajama teddy bears things where his face <laughs> is just showing? No, he's in like the whole thing, I guarantee it. Okay, so one thing about Halloween, you guys, crime does go up anywhere from 15 to 60% depending on the area. number do you want to do you want to guess what the number one crime is on halloween
1: okay so halloween okay so i would have to guess it would probably be the same as most holidays that involve parties and different things which would probably be duis or drunken things
0: duis is number one okay dwi yeah
1: okay number Um, two number two probably hit and runs nope Number Think two. about your
0: audience. What age group is really enjoying Halloween? Vandalism. No, what age group is really enjoying Halloween? Children? Teenagers probably.
1: Uh, so it's not vandalism?
0: Nope. Theft? Nope. Underage drinking.
1: Oh my God, that one's a really, little I know? I guess I just don't think of underage drinking as a crime. So
0: number th- <laughs> right, number three is disorderly conduct. Number four is assault. Number five is vandalism. Number six is trespassing, and number seven is theft. Okay. So those are the major crimes that go up on Halloween. So we just gave you a bunch of murder and mayhem, but mostly people just get drunk and do stupid stuff. So sorry about the super fun extra. <laughs> Murder on that episode, you guys. But happy Halloween. But now we have a much more important topic to discuss. And that is our Patreon. Yes! Yes! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody that has supported us for Patreon, you guys, are so, so amazing. And we were so thrilled and excited. I mean, I guess we haven't really announced it on our actual episodes before. We've kind of talked about it. Yeah. But it's officially up and running. We announced it on our social media. Yes, you
1: can find the link. There's know. a
0: link on our Instagram bio. There is our our post about it. There's a link attached to that on our Facebook, but I haven't figured out how to post it on okay. Facebook yet. On our in our bio. Yep. So we're getting there. Um, and you can search for it on Patreon. But we're so excited. All of the benefits are in... You can find them on our Patreon. Yes. There's Bunker Talks, which is us. So Bunker Talks is us giving our biased, unedited opinion about every case. This one will be interesting. And Hiking with Hannah is something that you get, which is where Yep, we talk- extra
1: episodes. Yes. Early Hike- access.
0: Yep, Hiking with Hannah is where we take my sister into the woods and try not to kill her. Ad free, which we don't have ads on this right now. But we to deal with it. Yep. But we will soon enough.
1: Okay. We're so just trying to save everybody from that
0: because most ads are annoying most importantly we would like to thank our patreons yes our very first patreon was emily grubber thank you so much and emily was like on it like she messaged us through instagram when we mentioned it on our last episode and she was like what's this patreon
1: and i (laughs) told her
0: and then like five minutes later she was a patreon so thank thank you. you yep you're our number one first patreon thank you emily and then Hannah Hoskins, I guess. We can give her a thanks. And then we have Hannah Hoskins, who is our hiking with Hannah. Yes. So that should be super fun. Thank you, Hannah. We really appreciate your support. And then we have Darcy Lindenmuth. Lindenmuth? That's what I Lindenmuth? 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 I should know how to say that, but I don't. <laughs> sure. I'm so sorry. Hi, Nana. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your support. Then we have Whitney. Thank you, Whitney. We so appreciate your support. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And then we have Adam Bryant. Thank you so much for your support. We know you've been listening from the beginning. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. That's tight. And then we have Liv Fairhurst. Thank you, Liv, and welcome to our Patreon. Also, she's in Great Britain.
1: That's awesome. You're our first Great Britain
0: Patreon. You're our first outside of Washington Patreon. Yeah. So, yeah. And then we have Linda Widdowson. Hi, Linda. Also out of Washington. Yeah, thank you for your support. We really appreciate you. And then we also have Dina Ramirez. Hi, Dina. Thank you, Dina, for your support. We so appreciate you. Welcome to Patreon. We also have Amber Schultz. Hopefully that's how you say it, if it's not correct us welcome welcome to patreon okay and then we have anna leach hi anna thank the, you yeah thanks for supporting our patreon our first australian our first aussie yeah <laughs> so thank you and anna by the way is the one that's helped us pronounce some things from oh, our australia cases yes.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. She's the nice
0: one. She's the nice one that was, like, nice about it. We talked about that in one of our episodes. Yes. Uh. Oh, man. New South Wales. Wow. But, Anna, thank you so, so much for your support. We really appreciate you guys. Do you want to try to say this next one?
1: Nope.
0: No. We're going to go with Clinton White. You have a very cool... Second last name or middle name, I'm not really sure, but we will not get it right. I guarantee it. Luciana Vamp White. Clinton Luciana Vamp White. That one. And
1: I have the most basic name on the planet. There's people who have cool ass last names. That is such
0: a cool name. So I we don't know if that's how you say it. Hopefully it is. Hi, Clinton White. Thank you so much for becoming a Patreon, especially from New Zealand. What? That's what NZ is, right? Thanks, Clinton. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, from New Zealand. Woo! Thank you. And then last for this week, we have Lacy. Thank you, Lacy, for becoming a Patreon. We so appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's everybody. Is it? Yeah, thirteen. Thank you so much. Yeah, you guys. We so so appreciate you. Get ready for your stickers. They're coming. I know. We actually, somebody already got one today. So I sent them out the day before yesterday and somebody already got one today. That was fast. I know. So your stickers are coming. Thank you guys. You and guys are so, so amazing. Yeah, thank you
1: so much. Yeah. To
0: being our first Patreons. I know. We're so excited. We so, so appreciate you guys. Also, if you're a Patreon, let us know. What else you want from us? If you guys want us to do a live or anything like that, we're totally open to anything. So let us know. Yeah. But thank you for supporting us. If you'd like to become our Patreon, come on over. We'll get your sticker in the mail. We'll give you a call out on the show. Okay. But yeah, so that was our Halloween episode. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. You guys, we're going to have a little mini like horror story, ghost story. We're going to have a little mini ghost story Mm -hmm. on our Patreon in the next week or two. And remember, we don't have an episode next week. We'll be back the following Monday. We just got a notice saying that kids are not going back to school on the 26th, like projected. not in school. So we might be doing this for a little while longer, you guys. Just hang in there. I know all of you guys are probably going through the same thing where everybody's super struggling and super frustrated. At least I know I am. I mean, I know there's those moms out there, and I kind of hate you, that are like, this is great. Like we got our schedule and we got our plan and we got our whiteboards up, and everybody's got know their own desk. I am not that mom. I literally texted one of the teachers yesterday, and I was like, "I literally saw the assignment list today, and my anxiety shot through the roof. and I sent her a screenshot, and I was like, "I don't like this." <laughs> and then I was like, by the way, thanks for being a teacher. We appreciate you. <laughs> so, we're right there with you guys. We're kind of in the muck with you. Like, we know it's hard and we know it's frustrating right now. And we're trying to be here for you guys. And, yeah. And this might actually be a long episode. Sorry about that. I Shit, didn't... two hours. <laughs> We've been recording. We did get a little sidetracked. So, we'll see what it is once I edit. But... it's my boy drama. Maddie had some boy drama today. So, yeah. Thanks for coming and thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys. You're amazing. We literally have the best listeners. So, yeah. Thanks, guys. And we will talk to you later. Bye. Go listen to stuff on Patreon. Go listen to Patreon. There's lots of stuff to binge on there. And we're sorry for the cursing. We don't edit. Uh, sorry. Eh. Maria's Maddie's, sorry. Maddie's not. Marie is. All right. Thanks, you guys. And we will talk to you later. Bye.